You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly discussion about Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now, here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus. Brandon, you know who the Rat Pack was? Alan Schneider. And Brandon Jaggers. A little bit, yes. All right, welcome back to the latest episode of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined, as always, by my good pals, Alan Schneider. Are you there, Alan? I certainly am. How's everybody doing on this uh, Thursday evening? And Brandon Jaggers. Feeling defeated, Alan, but we'll return. We'll get back to the winner's circle soon. Great, great to hear. All right, as always, good to have you with me this evening. Uh, we're about three weeks away from the Kentucky Derby, and there is no doubt in my mind who the Pro Tim favorite will be. It will be Tiz the Law after his resounding victory in the Traverse Stakes over the weekend. In that effort, he soundly beated his foes and earned a 109 buyer in the process. I don't think there's any question that he is right now the best three-year-old in the country. He's going to come into the race with a with a huge reputation and a large backing and a large backing at the window he's the best horse in the race that that was a huge effort in the travers uh guys alan what what are your thoughts on tis the law i mean he he's the horse to beat no doubt uh are you on him yeah uh, you know you know how much i love the other big one i do but my God, that performance was fantastic. Almost as fantastic as using the phrase pro Tim a moment ago. Uh, but I digress. He, I don't think he bounces. I thought he had plenty left in the tank. I mean, he was pulled up the last, I don't know, 100 yards. Mile and a quarter, he gets a 109 buyer, and it looked, he looked every bit of it. Uh, I love Art Collector. I'll use both and whatever exotic I have. But my God, I mean, it is a law right now. It's six or seven to five. Seems like. A heck of a good investment for your portfolio. Brandon, uh, the last time Tizzle Law showed up at Churchill, he ran in the Kentucky Jockey Club on a sloppy track, and he got pinned along the rail. But outside of that, there is not many chinks in the armor of the favorite. No, I've been following the horse all year, mainly because the the name kind of caught my uh, eye first because, you know, I, I date a lawyer, so... I was like, man, this is right up your alley. And then that horse just really came out and started proving himself. And you're right. I think that is going to be our, our derby favorite, if not a, a derby winner. Yeah. Now, the following day, Ellis Park hosted a huge day of racing. In fact, it was a very enjoyable day. I, I enjoyed the card immensely. Uh, early on, it, it took my breath a little bit when uh, in, a, in a certain upset. I think it was around the third race. <laughs> but later in the card, it was, it was a little bit more formful. And uh, the last race of the day was the Ellis Park Derby. And it featured probably the second favorite for the Kentucky Derby, an art collector. And he won easily, went wire to wire, and earned a 100 buyer. I don't think the buyer tells the whole story of the race. Uh, art collector set, laid down tremendous early fractions. And at never at any point during the race did he look like he could uh, – he would he would have to slow down, or excuse me, he, never at any point in the race did he look like he would be threatened. 
he smacks a, a little bit of spin the buck in my eye as a horse that just uh, keeps on going. Uh, if, if they let him loose in the Kentucky Derby, he he might win this thing. Uh, Alan, I know you're a big fan of Art Collector. What were your thoughts first on the Ellis Park Derby, and then second, you know, what are his chances in the Kentucky Derby? Well, you know, I knew he's gonna have a hard time living up to the uh, the performance of uh, Tis the Law and the Travers, but then again, he didn't really need to do that. He needed to get his job done, win the race, get something out of it at a mile and an eighth, and that's what he did. He I told, as we mentioned, the pace scenario set up well for him, but he did have to press most of the way, but he was on cruise control. He never real, as you said, he never really looked like he was going to lose. Um, I thought it was a, the effort you want, to be honest with you. I think just because Tizalaw ran a little bit easier looking, so to speak, I think it's going to separate the price a little bit on Derby Day, but you can make the case that nine to two, five to one on art collector is an overlay and that's simply because of the presence of his law. So I, I had, I took nothing negative from the, from the performance. Actually, I was impressed a little bit by attachment rate in the, in the two spot as well too. I think earned his way into the Derby with that performance. Yeah. That's a horse I want to talk about. I thought that was a really fine effort from attachment rate. He looks like he's finally come into his own. He, he showed a lot of promise early in the year, but he never could really, you know, he, he never could really break through. He finished a lot of fourth and fifth place finishes in stakes races, but that that opened my eyes a little bit. And then, you know, in the next three weeks, we're going to try to be searching for long shots so we can play underneath our, our favorite horses in the trifectas and the superfectas. So, you know, attachment rate, uh, is, he was running at the end, and he galloped out really well. So I'm going to keep my eye on him going forward. Brandon, uh, any any final remarks before we close out the uh, the big performance by Art Collector? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny to see these horses this year with so many Derby points. You know, leading up to the Derby, I think Tis the Law has now 372 points. Wow! And in a clear first place, uh, and then with second, you have Authentic Bob Baffert's horse at 200. So, and then it falls off another 50 from there. Uh, you know, I, I, it. it who will have the distance that day? I think it will be our top two, top three. You know, Tiz, Authentic, and our collector. But you know who's a funny horse that just only won one uh, or, you know, won enough points just to get in was King Guillermo. Uh, no one knows what that horse is going to do. I think he's definitely the wild card for, for Derby here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm not for sure where King has been training, but I'd, I'd love to find that out. He's at Churchill right now. That's what I, I thought. Okay. And I, I saw him gallop this morning. He, he's in fine flesh. There's no there's no problem with his conditioning, it looks like. So, you know, he might be a factor uh, in in the in the big derby. So I, go ahead. I wonder I wonder if they're working that horse, you know, six and seven furlong works or a mile or you know, just to see, you know, keep that conditioning going. I I'd love to see that tab. Maybe we can put it on our uh, Facebook page if we can find it. And keep in mind, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, go ahead if you get a chance to like us on Facebook and and, and support the podcast. We'd be uh, greatly appreciative. Uh, as I look up King Guillermo's work tab, I, we want to get into the uh, into the test stakes and probably one of the well the the, the best three year old filly up to a mile in this country would definitely be Gamine, who smashed the test stakes field. She earned a one ten buyer which was higher than uh, Tis the Law's 109 buyer. So that that was an eye-opening performance for sure. 
Allen, she's probably going to to take a lot of money in the Kentucky Oaks. She's going to stretch out to nine furlongs. What are your thoughts on Gamine in the oh, big race? Fantastic performance, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping she does take all that money in the Oaks because I'm, I'm going to play speech. Uh, she's There's a bit of a question mark with a lot of these horses, mile and eight. I think speech is going to eat up a mile and eight. Uh, and probably with Gamine taking all the money, I mean, you can make a case speech goes off at five, six to one. We'll see. But, I mean, that said, speech will have to run down a monster, a freak in Gamine. And it may not be possible, but, you know, a mile and eight against the top fillies in the country, we'll see how that test fares. But, you know, Gamine was at no point ever looked like she was breaking a sweat in that race. So we'll see there. Brandon, before I ask you your thoughts on Gamine, I found the work tab for King Guillermo. Equibase has five workouts listed. The latest one was August 8th, four furlongs. And then before that, five furlongs, five furlongs, four furlongs and four furlongs. So I don't know what they're doing in between the works, but uh, they're not. Yeah. I would expect to see a, maybe a six furlong or a seven furlong work here in the next mm-hmm. week or two, or you, you, you have to run, run the risk of this Philly or of this uh, Colt being short going a mile and a quarter. But like I said, they, you know, I don't know what they're doing between works. They may be galloping this horse two miles or a mile and a half yeah. every day. So, you know, they may be getting their fitness that way. Uh, Brandon, what, what are your thoughts on Gamine going forward into the Kentucky Oaks? Yeah, I think we we all called that horse last week, and that was a nice single for you play pick threes, pick fours, and pick fives. Uh, but, you know, uh, we were following Twitter, and the second-place horse, Intrepid Heart, correct? Uh, yes. Venetian Harbor. What, was Venetian, Harbor. Yeah, Venetian Harbor, Venetian. yeah. yeah. Uh, that owner was went to Twitter and basically said that the jockey took the, the instructions uh, and kind of threw them out the door, and Venetian Harbor seemed to be on a lock. Uh, going through, you know, quarter and the half, uh, and didn't really run the way that the ownership wanted the horse to run. But uh, so I definitely want to recognize Venetian Arbor. But to get to the Gamine, it, uh, it's going to take a whole lot. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it'll be it exciting. Is. But I like Speech. I mean, I haven't seen Speech in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been a big fan of Gamine for a long time. So I, it'll be fun to see those horses uh, here on the backside of Churchill and. I think Derby week, uh, I'm going to actually go to the backside quite often and, and do what I normally do, even though the COVID restrictions will limit a lot of folks, but, uh, and do some, uh, sideline reporting for our podcast. Wonderful. Nice. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Take lots of pictures. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Let's turn the page and we want to preview Saturday's cards at Ellis park in Saratoga. And guys, I gotta be honest with you. I'm doing a lot better this year at Ellis Park than I am at Saratoga. I've really, really struggled this meet at Saratoga, but I've I've made up for it with some nice payouts at uh, Ellis Park. So I'm, I'm I really like this card on Saturday. I think there's a chance to make some money, but I mean I've got some I got some opinions too. Let's turn to race five, and this is the last leg of the early pick four. And I love these two-year-old baby races. This is for the Phillies. It goes five furlongs, so it'll be over quick. The Morning line favorite will be Montgomery Park for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. She's 7-2 on the morning line. She's a daughter of Munnings out of a Medallia d'Oro mare. They cost, she cost $170,000 at Keeneland September last fall. And she comes into the race like all Brad, Brad Cox horses do. They're on a, it's, a, it's a steady work tab, and she should be fit. Uh, Alan, where, where are you at in here? 
Well, I think this the two baby races today are the highlight of the Ellis card to me. There's a lot of great pedigrees, great connections in these races. Uh, don't dismiss the babies coming out of this race simply because they're coming from Ellis Park. There's some potential talent through these two races. And in this first one, I mean, it's going to be hard to pick a winner because I, like I like a lot of these horses in these two races. But uh, um, I'd say who catches my a little bit is Dramatizer, the one for Keith DeSormo, because this horse is actually a half by exaggerator. And he gets the rail in these five furlong turfs, and these five furlong sprints. It's, it's good to be towards the inside in these races if possible because it's such a quick run to the first turn. But this horse is a half to uh, Juggernaut. Who about a year ago today won this race, won well not this race, won a maiden special weight here at Ellis Park for Keith the Sormo and James Graham. So um you gotta think this horse may have a little run in him, um in her. So that one is, would definitely be on my ticket. I think the horse to beat is Coconut Cottage for uh, Larry Jones, who's been on a bit of a mini tear of late. This horse ran a pretty good fourth against some nice horses at Keeneland. Gonna have the benefit of a start. Um Past a couple horses in that race again draws towards the inside, but there are a lot of ways to go in here. A lot of well-bred horses. Uh, Mark Cassidy has a run happy out of Anchorage. It's really impressive. I'd say another horse in here we got to might want to consider is Inject for Stanley Huff. This uh, Frosted, one of uh, Frosted's first babies by Appealing Sophie, and she threw Taprit, who won the Belmont. As okay. Well. Yeah, I as knew, well. I, I write a comment. I knew I knew that name somewhere. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of pedigree there on the female side, and of course the Frosteds could be any kind. Uh, they gave almost ten times uh, the sire price for this horse, and fifteen to one. Julian Lepreau and Stanley Huff. I don't know how you're going to get quite that on this horse, but uh, even the Ian Wilkes horse to the outside, that horse is a uh, out of Taylor Street, who uh, his uh, offspring won a couple weeks ago here at Ellis Park Market Rumor for Ian Wilkes. So. There's a I, there's a couple I could still mention too, but I want to go on and on. But man, it's a tough race. I'll take the Larry Jones horse to win, but I'd say keep an eye out for Keith Sormo's Dramatizer, the Rail horse, and inject the six horse for Stanley Huff at some prices. Brandon. Yep. Yeah, we actually have a run happy in here too. Yeah. Uh, Alaska Joy number four, but didn't make it to my top uh, selections here. And Alan, we're agreeing on our top choice here: Coconut Cottage number three. Uh, you got Larry Jones and Brereton Jones, uh, the owner. Uh, when Sias takes that mount, uh, he he finishes. So I, I think that's a really good uh, switch of jockey here. Uh, that Keeneland race, Pui timing, if you all remember, I think Pui ran back uh, last, last week. weekend. Yeah. So, and I think that horse, did it win? Or did no, no. Well? No, I off bet. the board. Off the yeah. board. Okay. But anyway, you know. So I, I went to that uh, Coconut Cottage, and then I kind of was looking at, you know, Brad Cox's connections are uh, the Kieber family and Ten Strike. I mean, that's a powerful duo mm -hmm. uh, when they're looking at buying horses, so I paid attention to that. And then uh, number nine, uh, Polish Jim, we got Brian Hernandez up, and that combo with Brian and Ian Wilkes, or just Brian doing, you know, uh, taking these types of horses, uh, hits the board pretty well, so... Uh, I, I did have to, I, you got to spread. I mean, you just got so many things here, uh, and five furlongs. It's just so short and you just never know what's going to happen, but I, I y'all are going to scream at this, but the 12 easy silence out of constitution size. Constitution, yeah. yeah. If you look 
just what I love on work tabs, you go back a few, and there's some nice, nice uh, times. Uh, you know, 59 on a five, five furlong, and then before that, a minute flat. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Tyler uh, should do pretty well with this horse, I would think, and, and uh, would just love to see this this horse kind of come home. But that's my second choice. So my first choice would be, you know, the three, Coconut Cottage, followed by second choice, Easy Silence. Okay. okay, a couple of things I want to point out here uh, with first the number four Alaska Joy, like you mentioned, is by Run Happy. Run Happy, according to the stats I have in front of me, is one out of ten. Yeah. Uh, so far, and he is not off to a good start. And the one, nope. yeah, the, uh, I, uh, you know, I, it might be time to start fading these runners. Although they, they gave three hundred seventy thousand dollars for this horse. And I'm researching the pedigree right now. There's some there's some pedigree on the dam side. I'm trying to remember who Anchorage produced. Chip but, leader. Uh, this one's a half yeah, brother. Chip, chip leader. Who That's was a, I think he he, he yeah he he got better as he got older. Yes. Uh, but uh, you know there is some pedigree there. But you know just want to caution you that that horse uh, run happy is one out of ten, uh, and it is early. So maybe maybe a lot of the good ones are still to come. Uh, and then the second point I want to make, I, I, I'm going to play probably number 11, Quick Money, out of the Jason Barkley barn. Uh, I got the email early on on, on this this filly. They, they're really excited about her. They were trying to solicit some offers to like $1,500 a share for, for 1% or whatever. I, I, almost, I almost bid on it, uh, but uh, I think it sold out really fast. So I think this filly is probably going to come out of the blocks really, really fast. Uh, apparently her... Her two-year-old in, in her two-year-old sail breeze was really really fast, and they and she gets Miguel Mena, so uh, a lot of things to like there. So let's turn to race six. This is a maiden claimer. Uh, it's a mile on the grass, and this is the start of the late pick five. And I think this late pick five is probably worth taking a look at. The favorite's going to be Sunrise Kitten for eight uh, for Mike Maker. And Florent Giroux, and he's eight to five, dropping up from maiden thirty down to maiden ten. Uh, Brandon, I think you have an eye on something in this race. Uh, I'm trying to beat the favorite here, like you just mentioned, and I'm and my eye keeps going back to AK Safari number four. We got Brian uh, taking the mount, and I don't think he's he's been on this horse early on, uh, early this year, and this horse has run quite a bit of times, uh, still not able to. Uh, to capitalize but this is pretty much the biggest drop you're going to see uh and the farthest down that she's gone so i think ak safari could be very tough here so i'm going to kind of just stick with my guns with her i also looked at number three eastern symphony uh miguel mena again uh another big drop uh, <coughs> but it's kind of been running around this level blinkers come off a little change of equipment that might that might do it for her. but uh you know, really, I love AK Safari here in this spot. I think this could be a winner to beat Sunrise Kitten. And then possibly the 12, the outside post, all about Will. Coming out of Maiden Special rank down to a 10 is is a big drop for a million-dollar horse. So uh, if you guys want to split on this horse, I'll do it. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I think I think you hit the right ones. Uh, uh, there's really, to me, only four contenders in the race, so you can narrow that down. Start off your pick five, maybe play 
played two pick fives and single sunrise kitten and then another one with a with a spread of those four horses that you mentioned uh let's go to race seven and this is the start of the late pick four and this is an interesting race too it's a uh, $25,000 claimer for three years old and upwards it's going six and a half furlongs and looks like to me a lot of speed in here alan uh you see it the same way i do yeah, there's a lot of speed in here. I'll, I'll probably side with the morning line favorite, Bye Bye Birdstone. This horse likes Ellis Park. Got a tune-up at uh, at Belterra. It makes me kind of think they're kind of pointing for the spot a little bit. Corey Lannery has won twice on a horse. I don't think the horse has to have the lead. That outside trip, Corey does really well uh, on the speed of the inside from, from an outside draw. Um, there's some other ways to go in here. But beyond, I, I kind of like Bye Bye Birds on this spot. Can he win without the lead, though? He, I think it's the draw that I, makes me think he might be able to. Because, again, Corey is pretty good at sitting outside and reading the speed of the inside. I think he can maybe rate a bit. I might be wrong about that. I uh, wouldn't be the first time. wouldn't be the last time. But uh, I don't have a strong opinion in this race, truthfully. But if you made me pick one here, I, I would go with Bye Bye Birdstone. Well, my concern is that uh, the seven Bye Bye Birdstone will hook it with the one Severe. Definitely. Oh, yeah. That is a – and uh, Severe does have the post position seven, right? I just now seeing that. Severe is on the outside of Bye Bye Birdstone. That could be a, that could be a bit of a problem. I will give you that. So, who are you where, – which way are you leaning then? Well, if if, if there is a, uh, a pace that materializes, I'm going to side with number six, Avion. Uh it's i don't like this angle uh norm cassie's bunch claimed this horse for 32 they ran him at indiana on the turf and he did nothing he quit late now they're dropping him for 25 i, I don't i mean that's not a positive sign that's my, that's my issue yeah but you know he he did look good in that race uh when he lost to uh petrov and you know he, he ran fine uh, he ran a race there that probably wouldn't you know, would contend here, but I, I just think he, he might get the run of the race here. If, uh, if the two, um, outside horses do hook up. So, uh, and of course, you know, if, if one of those two horses scratches and then the other one left with an easy lead, you probably just want to single there. So Something to keep in mind, definitely. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you want to keep an eye on that. So, uh, let's go to race eight. And this is another, this second half of the, uh, the two year old baby division, this is a race at five furlongs for two-year-old fillies. And this is on the dirt. And the morning line favorite is, again, for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. It's Camora at four to one. It's the daughter of Dialed In. She'll be making her debut. And Brandon, uh, you I know you like something in here. Yeah, I like these babies. These are always fun races. Again, it's wide open, so it should be a great, great bet if uh, – if you're correct, so I hope I am. I'm taking three here, uh, maybe four. Um, first, I'm looking on the inside for these five furlongs. I'm always so worried about the posts on five furlong on dirt because you're basically into the turn and what, you know, a furlong and a half or so. So if this horse can actually break out on top, I'm going with number two, Decade. Uh, Ellen J. Foxwoods is the owning. Uh, group with Steve Asmussen train, a Cali, Cali Chrome baby. So uh, a two-year-old filly that went for 170000 
the dam it, it does seem to have you know a lot of winners coming from that dam about five out of six so I, I like to see those kind of stats uh, and then I'm coming back out all the way out to the 12 spot and super quick uh, with Norm Cassie um, you know he hasn't really done much here at Ellis but uh, I like that Joe Talamo come, comes in, gets this mount, takes this horse. Talamo always likes to be on the lead, I think. So uh, those two will be fun. But obviously, you know, Brad Cox and Kimura uh, will be a lot of pressure as well. But those are tough posts. So, you know, for, for people betting a lot of different angles here, you know, posting these baby races are tough. Uh, so, you know, the two, which is, you know, decade and then I'm also going to take as my fourth choice, Jim Key, number six, with Brian Hernandez, Ken McPee. Uh, you know, Brian does a great job with the babies. So uh, I'd like to see uh, like to see him do well here as well. Alan? Yeah, uh, I think, it's, again, another interesting race. And a couple of horses Brandon mentioned caught my eye too. But, uh, I mean, again, you have uh, – California Chrome looking for uh, his first winner in this race for Ellen J. Steve Asman to the inside. The horse figures big time. Uh, I think both the Ian Wilkes horses have a shot, particularly maybe the uh, the upstart baby uh, in the four hole uh, for Chris Landerell's catch my little bit. You only paid twenty five thousand uh, for him, but I think the one I'm going to go with on the win end is Anoush for Godolphin and Brendan Walsh. This horse is a half to. Uh, as a half to Banks Hill, a horse I really like for Godolphin and uh, Brendan Walsh, who's showed a lot of promise last year as a two-year-old. Banks and Island. Banks, Banks Island, that's right. Banks Hill would definitely win this race. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, Banks Hill uh, finally got turned a corner again this year, and now she is a quite, or he is quite the runner. So I've been a fan of that horse. Um, Brendan Walsh can win first out with the Godolphin. I mean, they did it with a horse called... Uh, Maxfield last year. So I'm going to take a bit of a shot here with Anoush. So, but I'd say keep an eye on Lady Goldstar there too, and keep an eye on the California Chrome baby. So, but I'll go with Brendan Walsh here. Uh, just a note California Chrome actually sired his first winner today. Oh, really? At Delaware Park. A filly named Scylla won by seven and a quarter lengths at Delaware on the slop. So he, he did get his first winner. I haven't seen a lot of his babies at the racetrack yet but this one uh, this filly here decade goes for ellen j foxwoods for asmussen now i i said at the beginning of the meet and uh, i think it's it's held true for the most part i mean yes. I, it, I think you should fade the steve asmussen runners because they are uh that, that this is the second and third string at ellen maybe the second string the, the third string probably would be in texas uh and he's only two for 22 so far at the meet so he really hadn't even run a lot of horses yet but, I would uh, add real quick, uh, isn't it interesting he has James Graham on the horse? James Graham doesn't run a lot for Steve Asmus, and he has four kind of slowish works here at Ellis, too. So yep. that, that does give you a bit of pause considering the connections. Absolutely right. Yeah, this you might want to see one from this filly. That's for sure. Uh, let's turn to race nine, the nominal feature on the card. It's five and a half furlong turf sprint. It's allowance for three years old, A other than conditions. And a lot of these horses come out of the same race on July 18th, five and a half furlong turf sprint. And it was a rock hard turf course that day. And it was dominated basically by the, the front runners. Uh, Alan, uh, you saw that race where that was won by, by Olsen for the Barkley barn. 
Is there anything out of that race that you like in here? Well, the horse I liked last time, uh, but I think maybe the pace of the race, uh, the tactics in the race, and, and the racetrack hurt the horse, probably. In my mind, of course, I bet the horse, so I'm biased, kept him from winning, and that's homebred for Tom Amos and Maggie Moss. He, uh, I thought the horse would be close to the pace that day. He dropped dead last on a speed-favoring service. The top two actually ran one-two in that race, and he did come rolling in a Deleuze in a five, six horse blanket finish. Um, I'd like to see him be closer to the pace today. I, I wanted that last time. Um, again, the way he closed makes me think he might've been best in the race that day. I, I would think he will be closer to the pace today because there's not a lot of speed in here. I think even though he's drawn the rail, he could probably get out fairly well against some of these. Um, one interesting note is shared legacy, who I don't particularly care for in his spots. Is the morning line favorite, I believe, and he went off 269 to one last time <laughs> in the Shaker Town, and actually, you know, didn't embarrass himself losing my four lengths, but because of that effort, he's the seven to two today. But he was almost 300 to one last time, which you don't see that very often in America. But uh, I like Coltmere a little bit for Greg Foley, but I'm I'm solidly on homebred, the one horse for Tom Amos. Brandon. Yeah, uh, uh, Alan and I were going to share the same. Uh, top choice here in homebred uh, taking the inside post here you know it looks like that last time they may have just got a bad start a little bit even though it's not in the comments but it started 10th and really had a lot of ground to make up and swung I think 17 and a half links wide coming home yeah but, he did but uh, so, so you lose a lot of ground that way uh, and if you were able to either break you got to break in these type races especially on sprint if she, if yeah, if this Colt can break, uh, I think homebred take it, take it all the way home. You just kind of got to throw out maybe the little bit of the last race, even though she, you know, the horse did very well. Uh, another shot I'm going to take here is Shackleford's Joy, number six with Joe Talamo. I know it's a D Wayne Lucas train, but he's hadn't done too bad at Ellis coming in the money or, or winning uh, 17% there. Uh, but I like Joe Talmo with the, I think he knows how to control a speed horse and, and get him to sprint. I, I think, uh, this was the right, uh, spot for the horse last time. And they literally come right back, uh, a little bit different of a condition race, I think. And, uh, uh, I think that horse will fit well here. So on these turf sprints, you know, there's always a theory of, of spreading, but I don't, I'm not going to spread in this race. Really. I'm going to go with the one homebred followed by the six Shackleford's Joy at six to one, and then obviously include Shared Legacy, the number eight. Good luck to you. <laughs> Thank you. And let's go get to the last race on the Saturday card at Ellis. This is a, a, another, uh, this is a, for Phillies and Mares, which have never won two races, it's going a mile on the turf, quick run into the first turn. The This race features several fillies that came out of split divisions of an allowance race on July 19th. One of them featured a really, really fast pace and the other one featured a really, really slow pace. So fast pace runners, uh, they, they were a little bit more highly rated coming into this race. Uh, Brandon, uh, where are you in this particular spot it's it's a spread race to me but i think there are some angles here yeah i i, I saw two definitely caught my eye uh, 
and I love, I just love any turf racing at, at Ellis. It's always fun. Uh, I went with the 11 screenwriter, uh, Bruce Lunsford owns Tom jury as, as the trainer with Colby Hernandez taking the mount. Uh, I haven't seen Colby run too much too often, I guess, or just hadn't been paying attention, but I, I think this would be a good spot for him. Uh, this horse has been second, uh, a nose and a neck, uh, it, it basically similar condition races. Uh, I think if, if, I mean, in, in both times, uh, Colby took them out and, and, and had this horse almost in the money or, or in the winter circle. And so I, I focused there. And then I also came back to another Joe Talamo, uh, since you left number seven. Oh, did I already say that? <clears throat> no, you didn't. Oh, sorry. Uh, D, with D Wayne Lucas. So, uh, uh, it's a little strange that I follow D Wayne twice, but, uh, you know, I, I think this horse has got a shot. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say to, to close out the day at Ellis. Well, I'm going to take a, a long look at number six mission from L for Brandon Walsh. Uh, BJ Hernandez takes the mount and she broke from the eight hole going into that first turn and, and was, was hung three wide all the way around the racetrack. And I think she tried to bid into a, a really strong pace. They went 23 and 3, 46 flat, 109 and 3 on a, on a course that was really favoring speed at the time. And, you know, she, she really menaced at any point, but she, you know, she didn't stop. But then on the other hand, that she didn't really fire that day, but she was only beating a length and a quarter. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, maybe she can work out a, a, a better trip this time. And with a normal pace, maybe maybe she fires. This is this will be her fourth start off the layoff, so it's it's time for her to time for her to to earn her keep here. But uh, Alan, you got anything to add for the uh, for this card? I think it's an interesting card to say the least. It is, it is. Uh, this this race actually uh, features my best bet of the meet in here, and that would be the twelve Ellen's birthday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I don't have a strong opinion, but uh, Ellen's birthday is a bit of a a Joe Corser, Chad and I, folks. He's a he's a he's a locally owned uh, horse who eight year old one for thirty who always shows up in these spots and gives it his old college try at about two hundred to one. But uh, I don't really think he'll he'll factor here. But just wanted to mention that to make CC laugh on air. So I don't have a strong opinion. I wish these guys the best in the race. I do remember when she won. She won on the turf at uh, Churchill about I don't know four or five years ago. I'm having Rogelio Miranda. And it's like 30 to one, but, uh, it, it hasn't happened since. So no, that was just a little, little joke to say the least. Let's look at Saratoga real quick. Uh, okay. In the last two races we want to cover for Saratoga on Saturday, eighth race, it's the Saratoga Derby invitational to half million dollars for three-year-olds mile and three sixteenths on the outer turf course, otherwise known as the melon turf course. Uh, is there anything that uh, stands out here? Obviously the, the, a lot of the eyes will be on the number two decorated invader who will be seven to five. He is seven to five on the morning line. He's won his last three starts. Uh, guys, can we beat him? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I'm going to try to do it here because I play the horses. It's a game of mathematics and finance. So I'm going to give it a shot here and do I think he's the most likely winner? Yes, but I may give a my money may go towards if I do play the race, which I likely will. Um, the horse he beat last time, domestic spending. Uh, I think this horse is going to drift up to a tad forgotten about on the board, probably six, seven to one, even though it's Chad Brown, 
Clarovich, a Rad Ortiz. And only because the horse may trip out. It's a bit of a uh, me just kind of probably uh, grasping at straws. But last time in that, in that kind of a in the Hall of Fame, the Tom Bush horse who's in the race on the outside gets smoking. Kind of ran off, but he ran off with slow fractions. Decorated Invader sat in the in the two spot, got the trip of the race. Um, that said, uh, domestic spinning did not embarrass himself. He did, like I said, the uh, Decorated Invader got first run. Domestic spinning came running late, could not catch Decorated Invader with that uh, setup. I'm hoping in this spot, even though there's not a lot of pace, maybe uh, Tom Bush's horse sets a pace again maybe you have a bunch of stalkers who maybe bid too early watch each other and domestic spending makes one last run and gets up for the money yeah i'm not in love with the horse but at the right price i'll, I'll take him for the win brandon yeah that horse might went longer too so i mean yeah. everybody's at distance i don't see many horses that have done this distance so uh you know christoph kamat's got a couple entries in here that are definitely tough decorated invaders number two and then Gofo on number five with Johnny V. So I'm going to play Johnny V uh, and stick with that horse. But then I'm also going to play Field Pass. Uh, I've, you know, we've been a fan of this horse for a long time. It won the Jeff Ruby Stakes here at uh, Turfway Park, which will handicap. Uh, when's Turfway open up? Like November, December? Uh, uh, stop. I, I don't. That's too early for Turfway. <laughs> and so. Uh, but with Maker, Maker put this horse in the spot here. It, the horse seems really versatile, too. It can either go to the lead or hang back and close. So I kind of like seeing both forms like that. Um, out of a lemon drop kid, I, I'd like to see this horse uh, come home with a big victory at 6-1. at six to one. Uh, it, It'll definitely be challenging to beat, beat the favorite here. But the horse is stretching out, uh, you know, covering a little bit more ground, but did well last out uh, going – a mile on the eighth, the farthest that the horse has ever ran. But you're right. I, I like Allen, you know, domestic spending for sure, uh, because it was a close uh, third last time. So a uh, very interesting race, uh, but let's try to beat the favorite here. I agree with you on field pass. That horse just looks like a horse that wants to go longer. So I think he's probably going to be one of those prototypical Mike Maker horses that you'll see running mar marathon races, Yes. you know, a mile and a half going, going forward the next several years. Uh, we're going to wrap up Saratoga with the grade one Alabama stakes. This is the marquee event for three-year-old fillies at Saratoga going a mile and a quarter on the dirt. And this race features one of the fillies who will probably be one of the horses to beat in the Kentucky Oaks. And that is Swiss skydiver at even money on the morning line. She was last seen finishing second to one of our favorites, art collector in the bluegrass stakes. And now she shows up here going a mile and a quarter and she'll be very tough in here, but can we beat her, guys? Well, I tell you what, let's let's hear what you think on this one, Cece. I'm curious. I know which way I'm going to lean, but let's hear what you think. I like Harvey's Lil Goyle. I knew it. I knew it. I, was, <laughs> I, knew it. I, I have a love-hate relationship with this filly, daughter of American Pharaoh. I have a tappet mare. I was all over her at Oakland in the fantasy stakes, and she was nightmare absolutely trip. Sore. Nightmare trip. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, then I got off of her in the regret stakes and she beat me on the wire. She's a big striding filly. I think she wants to go long. I think this, this uh, it looks like she can do dirt or turf and 
if Swiss skydiver, you know, if, if she doesn't run a race, I think Harvey's little Goyle can run her down late. And Bill Mott has won this race before with Royal Delta. I think this filly uh, is probably not as good as Royal Delta was. I mean, she was she was all world, but uh, I think this filly has a, has a nice future. And I, I will have some type of exotic wager going to Harvey's little Goyle. Yes, I I I like your selection there. I I'm gonna try to beat Swiss Skydiver in the spot. And we one of the two that I would use is, is Harvey's little Goyle because this horse might be really good. It's yeah, that fantasy race scares you a little bit, but again, if you saw the trip against Swiss Skydiver and um Venetian Harbor, I mean th- those horses got away from everybody that day and she she had a nightmare trip behind him. So that horse would be on my ticket. The other one that interests me thing with Swiss Skydiver, take nothing from her. She is fantastic. Uh, but she did the win against Venetian Harbor. I don't say it's been tainted a bit because Venetian Harbor has come back to run second to Gamine, second to, been second Swiss Skydiver, second to Speech. So Venetian Harbor might be a bit distance limited. might be quite not the horse we thought she was early. And Swiss Skydiver is going to try to get a mile and a quarter here. Um, definitely the one to beat, have the utmost respect. I might try Bonnie South. I might try Bonnie South to get a mile and a quarter. I know she was fourth round in track and faded in the Ashland against Speech and Venetian Harbor, but I think they may have tried to keep her too close to pace in that oddly run, that short stretch race. I think uh, being too close to pace probably uh, hurt her that day. I think they'll try to settle a little more today, make one big run. Again, it's a Rad Ortiz, and, and I'm picking them in back-to-back races. But eight to one, I'm willing to take a shot. But Harvey's little Goyle has a big shot. And shout out to the good folks at Walking L Thoroughbreds. They've got a really nice horse in there called an Invitante who could do some damage too. But if, if you're taking Harvey's little Goyle, I will take Bonnie South. Brandon, are you going to drink this Brad Cox Kool-Aid? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You guys Whatever. Uh, you know, Whatever. You've got that Kool-Aid running down your chin. I know you. And the, and the Joe Talamo uh, Kool-Aid. Yeah, I know. I tell all of a sudden I'm on Joe Talamo. But, uh, no, I, you know, I, I've looked at Crystal Ball. I mean, Bob Baffert knows what he's doing with this horse. Uh, and, and I like the positioning tier, the post. Uh, I, I think this horse has really got a shot today. Invitante, for sure, is, is definitely eligible. I mean, I like them all. I, I really <laughs> do. So I, it's hard to really focus. Uh, Swiss Skydiver, obviously, is going to be the one to beat and really i want to see her win i just do as a fan i don't want to try to beat her i'd like to maybe single her please if i can get through a pick five uh, i mean okay. today's pick five at saratoga was huge uh, uh, a very good uh price but uh but a lot of big long shots came in early but anyway yeah i think swiss uh, harvey's little goyle is fun but i, I think it's going to be swiss all the way not taking the Swiss cheese, but taking all the bacon and then heading <laughs> uh, heading to Kentucky. But uh, Crystal Ball and then Invitante is where I landed as well. I've just got one thing to say about Crystal Ball, and I'll probably eat my words on this. I'm just looking at her running line last time. She set the pace, and the track looked like it was a little bit deep. But that last eighth of a mile was 13 and four-fifth seconds, and almost a 14-second <laughs> final eighth of a mile. If she does that again... Uh, they're going to all run by her. But yeah, I did not. I did not like that CCA Oaks. I did not like that race. 
Well, it should be an interesting Alabama Stakes for sure. That wraps up another episode of the Auxiliary Gate. This was episode 13, and we were glad you could join us, and we'll see you again next week for more handicapping and surprises and racing banter. And as always, remember, gambling money ain't got no home.